Blog Talk Radio. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created the longest peacetime economic expansion in our history. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Good common sense and sound judgment of the American people and their essential love of justice. Hi, welcome to the Kudzu Vine for December 13th, 2020. I'm your host, David McLaughlin. Joining me as always, welcome Catherine Smith. Greetings from Atlanta. And welcome Tim Shiflett. Good evening, sir. All right, a big show tonight in about 20 minutes uh, from Georgia Poll, and that is, you spell out Georgia, P-O-L dot com. We're going to have the proprietor of that blog, uh, Lawton Sack, join us for, I believe he's based out of um, the Statesboro area now, but we'll find out for sure here in a little while when we have Lawton on. But there's been a lot of different politics, um, both in our state and nationally, that we have to discuss and uh, some of that also emanated from Texas. And, Tim, I think you have a few thoughts on that, so let us start there. Thank you, David. When I was a kid, there was a book written by Fletcher Neville titled Seven Days in May. It caused quite a stir. It was about a plot to remove a duly elected president and replace him with someone that a certain group, in this case the Coal Warriors, would find acceptable. The book was a sensation, a bestseller that was um, made into an equally sensational film. It was also, if you're wondering, of course, fictional. What do we have now? Well, we have a Republican who lost their race in convincing fashion, refuses to concede, claims the election was stolen, and pressures election officials, elected office holders, and the court system to overturn the verdict of the voters while providing no evidence of any wrongdoing. And no, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. Not yet, anyway. I'm talking about Charlotte Bergman. Steve Cohen, a popular Democratic incumbent, represents Tennessee's 9th District in the Memphis area. Now, he defeated Miss Bergman on Election Day by 57 points, and she refused to concede while uh, simultaneously announcing she had actually won. Of course, she offered no evidence of such a claim. And, oh, if she was the only one. Since November the 3rd, there has been a deluge of losing candidates, all Republican, claiming they were robbed of their rightful victories. All have no proof of what they assert, and all were soundly beaten. There's a guy in California who lost his congressional race by 70% and said the truth must be known. Uh, whatever that means. There's the guy who lost the governor's race in Washington by 13 points, and he's suing every state official he can think of. There's a lady who lost her race in Maryland 
And then she announced she was starting a pro-Republican PAC to stop the, quote, irregularities. Again, whatever that's supposed to mean. Honestly, all or most of these people are mentally disturbed, I suppose. But they are also part of something that started. Now I'll bring him in with Donald Trump. They are simply copying what Trump has done in the week since the presidential election was decided convincingly by the voters. It, it was comical. It, it, it was kind of frustrating to watch at times since then. And it had its serious moments, too, as in when the administration refused to participate for a long while in the transition of power. But now this week, it turned into something far more sinister. The Attorney General of Texas, Ken Paxton, filed a suit to be heard in the Supreme Court with the aim of overturning the election result in Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. If successful, this suit would have invalidated over 10 million votes, denied the electoral votes of those states to winner Joe Biden, and launched still more investigations into alleged voting irregularities, for which there is absolutely no proof of anything amiss. But that isn't all. If Paxton had been a lone wolf here, conducting some quixotic crusade on his own, it could have been summarily dismissed as another fringe stunt by an official out of touch with reality, or more likely an official under indictment who is hoping for a pardon from Trump. But unfortunately, it got real and in a hurry. By the time this thing made its way to the court late this week, 126 Republican members of Congress, Republican attorney generals from 17 other states, other various elected Republican officials across the country, Republican Party officials, and the President of the United States had all signed on in support of this suit. We even had a United States senator who offered to personally argue the case for the petitioner. This was more than any suit, much, much more. This was also much more than the other 56 cases and counting that the Trump campaign and others have introduced in various courts and states. This was an attempt to overthrow our form of government. This was an autocratic attack on our rule of law and our Constitution. This was a naked power grab which sought to dismiss the verdict of the clear majority of the voters. This was done with no basis, in fact, to support its aim. So thank God that the Supreme Court dismissed this nonsense with no standings. They said, and correctly, that states cannot interfere in other states' elections, and millions of voters cannot be disenfranchised without cause. So now we must adopt an urgent posture of vigilance and sobriety, for we have now seen the fictional account written up by Fletcher Nebel 58 years ago 
pretty much manifest itself into a terrifying possibility right here in 2020. And we live in a time when 77% of Republican voters believe that Joe Biden is not the winner of the presidential race. Oh, and and there's one more thing you can all do. Remember their names. All of those who participated in this usurpation for history is surely going to remember their names, David. Yes, Tim, there are so many avenues to go down uh, based on uh, what you were telling us. I'm going to start off with one. Uh, If you want to know how ridiculous this entire thing is, if you didn't watch Saturday Night Live last night, on YouTube, find type in SNL Sports Max, and it basically talks about it has just nothing but skits about Jets fans that claim that they're really 11 and one. They're currently 0 and 12 if you don't follow NFL football, and it it is basically the absurdity of how some Republicans are handling this election in a sports context. And it, it just – I don't think anything encapsulates the absurdity of all this any better. Um, now, one little piece of this is it, this suit started in Texas, and apparently because the Supreme Court turned this down, um, Catherine Allen West, the former congressman and now chair of the Texas Republican Party – he was actually a congressman from Florida – but now he's in Texas. He moves his roadshow on. He's saying that they should um, join New Mexico, which you know, and we were discussing in the pre-show was that New Mexico, the state, a new part of Mexico, the country, or just a whole new nation. What is your thoughts on what Alan West is, is proposing? <laughs> They're all crazy. All of this stuff is just, it's crazy, and, um, but people are, I mean, it's crazy that all these attorney generals, 17 of them, uh, or, and, and various other, you know, all, and the hundred and whatever Congress people are signing on to this. It's, um, I don't know if it's indicative of, a fear of uh, the president and his influence, or if it's fear of constituents and, you know, even though they know it's all crazy, they need to shore up their, uh, you know, bona fides with with the, you know, Trump voters. It's just insane. Every day it's up, you know, when, when, when Trump was president before the election and all, like over the last four years, every day we would say, well, it can't get worse than this. And every day it would get worse. And this is just like insane. It's, I don't know how else to, I mean, I can't even think about it without just, just uh, getting to the point where, okay, it's just crazy. What are they thinking? What are, what is the end game? They really want to secede? No. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I here's know. the thing. 
does Alan West think they might just, you know, succeed? Maybe. But then why are you electing Alan West as your party chair? I mean, that to me, that's the bigger question, you know. Um, Alan West, he served like a term or two, and he kind of had to move on. He was just such a distraction, even for a Tea Party Republican Congress. Um, so why do you keep electing these people to lead you in some form or fashion? Uh, that, that's kind of the bigger question I have there. Now, in our state, um, you know, David Ralston, he came out. He's the Speaker of the House. And he seemingly, before you know some of the stuff that's gone down, seemed like he at least was more level-headed. Um, you know, maybe not fair, but level-headed. He said, "Oh well, I, I don't like how the Republicans in Georgia have done things, and I want to take the Secretary of State's office and make it a non-elected office, and not have the governor appoint it, but have the legislature appoint it." Now, one thing I haven't figured out if that means the House and the Senate have to agree on someone, and it has to pass through both chambers, which seems ridiculously cumbersome. Uh, but here's the procedure if you don't know. Two-thirds of the House, two-thirds of the Senate have to sign off on this measure. That seems like a very unrealistic bar to get to. And it would have to go before the Georgia voters and be passed by a majority of the Georgia voters, I am curious to see a poll to see if, a, you know, what percentage of voters would even go along with, hey, we want less democracy. You know, let us make less choices in our government. Um, Tim, what's your take on what David Ralston's proposing? Well, David Ralston is is a smart politician, and he knows that there is no way he is going to ever get two-thirds of the state legislature to agree to do something like this because he would have to get a bunch of Democrats to go along with him, and they're not going to go along with him on on this. And, uh and and I would imagine uh, if through some miracle it ever did get to the voters, I don't know if the voters would appreciate having the right to elect their own officials taken away from them. He knows all of that, but he also knows that it's popular with Trump's base, and they are all afraid of Trump's base of voters. They are scared to death right now that they're either not going to vote or that they're going to write Trump's name in, or they're going to do something to cost the Republicans these two seats. And so they they just want to appease them in any way that they possibly can and just bend over backwards to do it, and that's all this is. Yeah, yeah just but you're, you're <laughs> putting something out there that's then going to be on your record. You propose to limit democracy for the people of Georgia, and you're the Speaker of the House. I mean, you're supposed to be a little more measured and reasoned than some, you know, firebrand backbencher um, that likes to you yeah. know, get attention. I mean, Speaker of the House, sure. you get your own attention because you've got the gavel. Um, yeah, but they ain't looking past January the 5th, David. You know that. Yeah, I mean, and when that gets here, you know, and it's particularly January 20th, there's going to be a reckoning. Um Catherine, I'm going to name somebody that you're going to agree with, but you probably never would have thought you would have agreed with this person. Um, 
somebody, a top Republican official, one of probably the, the sharpest minds in the Republican Party as far as strategists goes, the number one Republican strategist that comes on Fox News, Karl Rove, said Donald Trump is acting like a sower loser. And, and you know, basically, um, America likes comebacks, but they don't like sour losers. Um, what is your take on what Karl Rove says, and are you surprised that Fox News Republican consultant Karl Rove is calling Donald Trump out? Not surprised at all. I think, you know... I, I have my, I mean, I'm not a fan of Karl Rove anytime, anywhere, but I think he's smarter than uh, a lot of Republicans, certainly the ones that are voting for Trump. And I think he recognizes that this is a losing battle for the Republicans. And he's a Republican. He's got to, he's got to, you know, keep the lights on and keep working. So he, he's, uh, I mean, I just think he's smarter than all this and recognizes, I mean, Trump's not going to be here forever, and he he's going to be around a long time. Yeah, I mean, I think he's just telling the truth, and it's good he is because not everybody is. Now, Tim, Donald Trump took off on um, – you know, the Supreme Court at times. He was so disappointed in what they said. I personally think it's code for I'm disappointed on Neil Gorsuch, uh, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett, the three people he appointed. I think if he had to do it over again, he'd point Sidney um, Powell. He'd appoint Lynn Wood. <laughs> he'd appoint Kim Paxton. Do you think if he had this to do over again, he would find people that made – Brett Kavanaugh looked like the second coming of Earl Warren. Well, you know, he thought he thought he was putting his people in there. I mean, you know, I, I understand hindsight's twenty twenty, but he didn't know then what he knows now, and uh, it, it would have been hard for him to really get three ringers through the U.S. Senate. I mean, they were going to give him his people. But, you know, they had to be like, you know, have quality law degrees and and some background and, and you know, the, the dean of students at Notre Dame speaking up for him. And they had to have some history. So, it, you know, he, he couldn't have just appointed anybody to those Supreme Court uh, slots. And he's – you know, that should show Trump how offensive he is. He appointed three very conservative uh, justices. And if there would have been any way constitutionally they could have helped him out, I guarantee you they would have done it. And there just wasn't. They didn't even think about it. They didn't have to. Well, you say that he couldn't have done this, but – Name one thing that the Republican Party, and I don't mean just Mitt Romney. I mean the Republican Party, the whole of the bunch, has ever challenged Trump on. Well, this wouldn't be the whole of the Republican Party. This would be the U.S. Senate. Mitch McConnell. Name one thing Mitch McConnell has challenged him on. 
Well, he just passed a defense appropriations bill veto proof that Trump's mm-hmm. threatening to uh, veto. Okay. And, you know, he yeah. just did that just the other day. So there, there are some, you know, there are some things even Mitch McConnell would not go there. McConnell yeah. gave him his justices. McConnell held that seat open for a year. But there's, he can only go so far. But he didn't get what he wanted as far as the selection result, and I think uh, – I mean, luckily we don't have to play that exercise anymore because there's no going to be no chance to put a Sidney Powell on the Supreme Court. I'm just saying I, I don't see – I see a lot of people that will go along with that. Um, well, we're, we're excited about welcoming our guest tonight to the Kudzu Vine for the first time from GeorgiaPoll.com, Mr. Lawton Sack. Welcome, Lawton. Good evening. Thank you, David. And uh, good to be with you, Catherine and Tim. Yes, sir. Well, um, Lawton, let's just kind of start out. Uh, since this is your first time on the show, uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, I was born and raised in uh, Statesboro, Georgia. Um, uh, the IT grad from Georgia Southern University. Uh, so I've lived my entire life below the net line. And uh, there's uh, enjoy it down here. Uh, I'm a CFO of a plumbing company uh, in a tiny little town called Register, Georgia, uh, that most people probably never have heard of. Uh, but been there for about 18 years and uh, and enjoy that. Uh, we we specialize in building hotels and schools uh, throughout the southeast Georgia. Uh, yeah, I've been been involved in the Republican Party. Um, for about the last 14 years and have held positions all the way from the local level as being a secretary to a county chair to a district chair and serving on the executive committee for the Georgia Republican Party. So, um, and been blogging for that uh, the last 14 years as well, first with Peach Pundit and then uh, followed Charlie Harper over to uh, Georgia Poll when he started that several years ago. Yes, well, it's funny. The three of us have all been district chairs, just the Democratic Party, and we all three served on the executive committee as part of that. So we know the uh, opposite side of of that part of your uh, bio very well. Well, um, let's get into the blog. Um, You've been blogging for a while, Peach Pundit, you mentioned it, and now Georgia Poll. Just kind of tell us uh, what's going on with GeorgiaPoll.com right now. Uh well, I, I took over ownership uh, almost three months ago now. Uh, Charlie Hopper moved on to um, some other opportunities in life, and uh, he's still involved with us and uh, writing at least a weekly column. And um, we're kind of at the point now of rebranding some things and uh, bringing in some new writers. And uh, but most of us are kind of holding our collective breath until January fifth. Um, which uh, hopefully things will be over then and uh, don't get stretched out for another month or two. Um, but uh, right now we're just, uh, like I said, just kind of gathering things up again and getting ready for the General Assembly in 2021. Yes. Well, then that's my um, – you're kind of talking about the blog. What Kind of what is your uh, vision for where it goes next? I don't know. January 8th is a big deal for a lot of us, but um, where does it go either way? 
Well, one of our focuses is uh, is bringing in uh, more of a mixture of voices uh, onto the sites, um, making sure we're getting uh, view viewpoints from libertarians, Republicans, Democrats, and even independents. Uh, and our main goal for the blog is uh, will be to get the common citizen more involved in in, in the politics especially knowing what is going on at the local and state levels. Uh, a lot of attention is given, um, you know, to Trump and these two Senate races. But uh, a lot of things that are going to impact Georgians are, are going to happen beginning January 8th. And we want to make sure that, uh, that uh, people in Georgia are engaged uh, with uh, what is happening uh, all across the state. Yes, well, um, c- kind of in that same uh, vein, um, you, you mentioned Peach Pundit, and we know that that kind of – it still exists. You can look at it and see it's there, but it hasn't had a new post in multiple years. What can you tell us about why Peach Pundit is there but doesn't have any new postings, and then most of the talent uh, moved over to Georgia Pole? Well, the the site is currently archived. Um, there is um, – there's nothing new, as you said, being being posted there, but uh, there's a lot of good information and uh, a lot of history there um, of articles and posts that, that were that were put out over the years, um, going way back to Eric Erickson's early days uh, before he got into radio and TV. And um, so they just thought it was very important uh, – it to be a site that people could go back and look at and uh, um, research. Uh, most of us left because of Charlie Harper's new endeavor at, at Georgia Pole. Um, Charlie had been running Peach Pundit for, for a couple of years, and uh, it just felt like it was time to uh, kind of shift gears and focus more on Georgia, um, which is what Peach Pundit was originally set up for. Um, but as Eric uh, kind of got more national attention, um, some of that focus was getting away from Georgia. And we just thought it was, uh, there was enough issues uh, for Georgia alone to kind of just focus on that. And uh, I think we've, we've done a wonderful job on that. And we, we hold no ill regards to, to Eric. He has uh, uh, just went a totally different direction. Uh, than what we wanted to go in. Yes. Well, one final kind of procedural blog-type question before we move on to some Georgia politics with Catherine and Tim, and that is um, social media. How do you think social media either synergizes or competes with the blogs like, you know, traditional political blogs like Georgia Poll? Uh, we have definitely seen a transition over the last two years. Um, it, it used to be, you know, Peach Pundit and then Georgia Poll were the, the sites that a lot of people went to to discuss politics. Um, but with Facebook and uh, to some extent Twitter, uh, people can go out there and, and kind of push their own narrative uh, on Facebook. And um, so we've we've seen a sharp decline in comments uh, on our blog, uh, but we're seeing that the readership is, is still there. Um, and it's, so we're kind of starting uh, the conversation 
and uh you know we we watch that kind of go out on facebook and can kind of leaf out and branch out uh into several different discussions and again our our purpose is to get people talking and as long as they're doing that whether on twitter or facebook or or whatever it may be um if they're doing that we're we're extremely happy yes and i tell you this i think from a citizen perspective I kind of wish more political discussion would go back to a Georgia poll, and in particular away from a Facebook, because I think there's a lot of people that want to connect on Facebook with high school classmates, family members, uh, neighborhood groups. And when you bring you know, politics in which people may be on competing sides, you kind of hurt that civic discussion, whereas that civic discussion could take place on a Georgia poll where you know you're talking politics. So uh, hopefully um, maybe some of that will move back to y'all's and other traditional political blogs. I, I, I really hope so. Um, uh, but at this stage of the game, it seems like we're becoming more divided than, than united. And, uh, you know, with people leaving Facebook and going to Parler and, and some of these different alternative sites, it, uh, uh, it's, it's just becoming a totally different world. Yes. Well, I'm going to pass this along to Catherine, and she'll pass it to Tim. And I'm assuming they'll ask more about Georgia politics, but now you're bringing up Parler, so who knows? Catherine? <laughs> hey, Lawton. Thanks for being on with us tonight. I really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Really appreciate thank, it. thank you for having me. And, you know, we've all, um, we've all, we all paid attention to Peach Pundit and then uh, Georgia Poll. I'm, I will admit that I don't read Georgia Poll as much as I used to read peach pundit but uh i i do sort of keep up with charlie so uh whatever that means i'm not sure um i i just wondered what you think about all this uh challenge all these challenges to to the um presidential election just as a as a you know georgia republican obviously been working with the party for many years and have been a, you know, voice of, uh, of the party on, and also of, you know, just sort of general Georgia politics. What do you think about this? Do you think it's legitimate or um, a little bonkers or, you know, what are your, you and your sort of Republican party friends thinking about all this? Well, I've I've been called Rhino uh numerous times in my life and uh and and I've been been labeled Rhino on on this particular subject. Um first and foremost, Trump lost the election uh and it's 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 time for us to move on as a party. Um we we lost several weeks from the election going into, you know, extremely pivotal United States Senate races and uh I, and while that was going on, Stacey Abrams and, and, and other Democratic organizations were out registering voters. They're pushing absentee ballots. And on the Republican side, um, because of all these lawsuits, there is a lot of sense of fear. Um, I was in a meeting just this week uh, with about 30 other Republicans, and the large majority, probably at least 90 percent of them, said they were going to refuse to vote early. They're going to refuse to, to do an absentee ballot and that they're going to vote on election day. Um, 
and this kind of gets away from the traditional Republican game plan uh, for generations. The Republicans push absentee ballots, and and that was part of their their game plan, and it was a stronghold and for it, them. And it was very effective. Uh, that the, is correct, the, and 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 then you know in Georgia. Uh, the Republican, including David Ralston, pushed uh, early voting, um, uh, this extended period of early voting. And at first, the Republicans dominated that as well. Um, so we're kind of at the point in all of this is, is, you know, our guy didn't win. There must be something wrong with the system. Um, but then common sense kind of sets in and you look at the down ballot races and uh outside of Purdue's um and and kind of coming out and raising a few issues the rest of your uh candidates down the ballot were okay with the process we were okay with it back in in the presidential primary we were okay with it in the general primary and the runoff and then all of a sudden Trump loses and and the system is broken uh and that that just makes zero sense at all. I, I've been involved in elections for the last 12 years as part of the voter review panel in, in Bullock County. Uh, I've gotten to see the election process up close, and I can tell you it, it would take an astronomical plan uh, to pull off and steal an election in Georgia, especially with these new machines, uh, which the Republicans, again, were, were, were the leaders in getting that installed. Uh, it, it, all of this is just, just, just not making any sense. And, you know, I think Trump's lawsuits are at one, one win and 76 losses. Um, it, it probably lost a couple today. Um, where <laughs> it's, it's, I, I don't know. It's just, it's become silly. And, um, we're at the point now where, where Georgia is, is doing wonderfully economically, and the governor's being attacked. Um, Brad Roethlisberger has done everything that the General Assembly and, and, and the laws on the books in Georgia say he is supposed to do, and, and he's being attacked. Chris Carr was thrown into, the, into that for not joining up with Texas. Uh, I, I mean, if it, if it was any other year other than 2020, I've – you know, I probably wouldn't have believed it, but uh, this year we've seen just about everything Everything happen. Um, well, thank you for that candid, um, com- those candid comments. But I, I, I tend to agree with you. Um, I, th- I, I, find it re- I find it really interesting that a lot of, like you said, a lot of these um, voting methods, I mean, I remember when I was working closely with the county party, we heard about the F from the county party, the Republican county party, about sending out these absentee ballot applications and, you know, targeting their um, voters. And we used that as a, a little, and I mean, we modified it a little bit, but we thought that was a brilliant idea. And uh, for them to now come back and criticize it, it's just kind of, um, like you said, because we didn't win, something must be wrong. So, um I, I hope that this is all resolved uh, relatively quickly. I hope we have a, a definitive wins in in January. Of course, you know I have my candidates who I want to win, and you have yours. But 
what I'm hoping for is a definitive win and no more, um, you know, challenges and uh, fall to roll. Because we, you know, like you said, we have a legislative session starting and a lot of things that could happen in that legislative session. And then we also have a congressional session that needs to start. So we have work to do. There's a lot of work to do in this country, and we really shouldn't be distracted by these sort of frivolous and ridiculous, in many cases, um, lawsuits and stuff. So I think we're all on the same page on that, is on um, local and state level issues and legislative um, stuff, because I absolutely agree with you so much that matters to us as as, um, families and businesses happens at the state level and the local level. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. So I I admire that um, effort. And I'll make sure to be checking in on Georgia Poll more regularly. And now I'm going to pass it to Tim. Oh, go ahead. What? No, I was just going to say we we would love to have you there. And uh, if you if you ever get a little bee in your bonnet and you want to write something, just let us know. Oh, yeah, I did that. You know, I I was um, the co-founder of Blog for Democracy, so hey. I I I got all my uh, I got all my blogging out of my system. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're 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 hearing that from a lot of people after this year. So. <laughs> Go ahead, Tim. Thanks, Lawton. All right. Good. You're welcome. Good evening, Lawton. Thank you. Thank you for being on with us tonight. Be be sure to tell my old buddy Charlie hello and go Jackets. What? Wait. Don't tell him go Jackets. Uh, Oh, I'll I'll, I'll tell him. I'll tell him go Jackets. Both my my dad and his (laughs) his dad went graduated from Georgia Tech, so I was uh, was born a yellow jacket. All right. There we go. Uh, Listen, on November 3rd, Senator Perdue outperformed President Trump in Georgia by right at 100,000 votes. Why do you think that was? Uh, A lot of that was Republican women, and and I've spoken with several of them, and we kind of saw this this coming. Um, Just to touch – Briefly, you know, two years ago, that was an extremely close election between Governor Kemp and Stacey Abrams. And right. for those that were watching that election, we knew that, that Georgia was a purple state. And a lot of people did not want to admit that. Um, but, to uh, you know, to get back to your question, uh, you look at counties uh, like Cherokee County, where the members of the General Assembly really helped pour, outperform Trump as well. Um, there's a lot of women, uh, specifically, but, uh, a lot of other people that just did not like Trump's tone, uh, did not like, uh, what he had to say on Twitter, uh, the, um, even looking at his past history with, with some of his comments, uh, uh, about women and, uh, just his brashness. And, uh, I think in Georgia, we, we had a lot of Republicans that were just comfortable and you tell people that we are in a battle and they say, Trump's going to win. Um, you know, we, we don't have anything to worry about. And I, I, I think that what happened here uh, was really reflective of what is going on in Georgia. Um, you know, Purdue barely, barely came ahead. Um, obviously that that's why he's in a, in a runoff Warnock and, and uh, Leffler are going to going to be neck and neck. Um, 
but that's where we are in Georgia. We are a purple state, and people don't want to admit that. And uh, so that's yeah. that's just where we are. Yeah, when you talk about the problems that the president had, uh, uh, we're we're essentially talking about the 29 counties in the metro area, right, where he was really hammered, especially by crossover votes from the Republican women that you mentioned. Correct. Uh, uh, that was obviously, you know, the the central part of that. But with me being in Southeast Georgia, I've I've come and come across several women that just cannot support Trump. And, uh, hmm. and, and many of those, you know, they voted for Biden, uh, which mm-hmm. was a little surprising. Usually people will skip a race. Um, but, uh, many of those went ahead and, and voted for Biden. Uh, uh, you know, I, and a lot of that was an anti-Trump vote. I don't think they were excited about voting for Biden. Um, but they they just could not because of their moral values stand up uh, with Trump. Uh-huh. Now, looking ahead to the uh, runoffs, is a split decision from the voters possible um, in those races, or are we looking basically at one side or the other winning both? I, if it is going to be split, I think I think Purdue would be the one that that would come out ahead. Um, we still uh-huh. got a lot of these Doug Collins supporters, uh, people that are saying they cannot vote for for Loeffler, and um, uh-huh. you know as tight as things are are going to be, regardless, uh, taking away Republican votes um, is is going to make it extremely tough for for Loeffler. Um, you know, traditionally in Georgia, Republicans win runoffs, uh, and they they typically, you know, win by at least a few points. Uh, but again, we've got these additional issues with people saying, "I'm going to write in Trump," "I'm going to write in Collins," um, which is the same as not voting um, qualified write-ins in a runoff. Uh, those votes are are going to go to Warnock, and they're going to go to to John Ossoff and and uh, and just being a political pundit, looking at this and seeing that the work that Stacey Abrams and, and other organizations were able to do, November fourth until December seventh, to cut off for the runoff registration, Republicans got outworked. And while Republicans were running around saying, "We're, you know, Trump's still going to be president," uh, you know, Purdue actually won. Um, we we lost a whole month, and I, I would not be surprised at all if if the Democrats win both of these races. Hmm. Now, now there there have been suggestions, especially on social media, for whatever that's worth, that Republican voters should either a boycott the runoffs or B write in the name of Donald Trump. The thought being that the two uh, senators are not sufficiently supporting the president. It, it, is such a thing gaining any steam at all, or is it just basically people blowing off steam? Uh, at first, it, there was uh, there was kind of a wave, but it lasted long enough to to go through the the close of the registration, 
um, mm-hmm. which, which, which concerns me because um, I see it dying off now, uh, but it's, it's too late at this point. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, if they would have channeled that energy into getting out there and, and, and getting some of these young Republicans and college Republicans and, and people of that age to, to get registered and, and to get out and vote. Uh, but as I alluded to earlier, you know, we've got people in the Republican Party that are afraid to do an absentee ballot, that are afraid to early vote, and have this irrational fear of, of Dominion voting systems. You know, I'm hearing a lot of people, common people that aren't involved in the in the party in day-to-day, saying, my vote doesn't count. Why should I vote? And, you know, on the Democratic side, uh, you know, there's just this huge push of getting out to vote. And and we're getting these mixed messages on the Republican side with sometimes Purdue and Leffler are, are saying you can't trust the system. And then other places they say you can trust the system. I, just to me, this is a recipe for disaster for the Republican Party. Mm. I want to ask you a couple of questions about the upcoming term of the legislature, and then I'm going to send it. One thing that made huge news this week, of course, was that Speaker Ralston floated the idea of the Secretary of State being appointed rather than elected, appointed by the legislature. Uh do you realistically look for this to be brought up in the session? Uh, unfortunately, yes. I, I think Ooh. in any other any other year, this would have been laughable, and and mm-hmm. they never would have done it. But I, I think you're going to have so much pressure of of you know against Brad Raffensperger. Uh, I mean, I, I've been seeing a lot this week of, about a recall of, of him and and doing everything everything they can to get him out. I, I think 2021 is the only year that, that this can happen, and uh, I, I really think they're going to bring it up. But, you know, bringing it up and actually having the votes – are, are are two different animals, and of course the speaker is is, is a pretty shrewd politico, and and he he does understand going in that he simply does not and will not have the votes to do this. So why then would he? He's got nothing to lose. Uh huh. Um, I mean, I I hate to put it that way. Uh, yeah. I mean he. He can bring it up, say, I, I did it, I tried. He can push this off on the Democrats, say that they voted against it. Uh, you know, the Republicans uh-huh. can come up and say, we voted for it, we supported Trump. You know, we don't like Brad. And, uh, you know, they can come out heroes. And, mm-hmm. you know, I wish politics didn't work that way, but we've all been involved long enough that yeah, you know, we know. sometimes it's the, it's the pony pony show that counts and, and not the actual yeah. results. Well, one, one final question about the legislature, Catherine alluded to it, that there are a whole, whole lot of important things that are going to need to be addressed in the upcoming session. What in your opinion is the most important issue that the state legislature will take up in January? 
Well, uh, you know, it, uh, assuming with with everything in the census is is going to be certified, and you know, Congress uh-huh. is going to say it's okay. You know, reapportionments, you know, yeah. going to be be that great battle. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, we we took that on ten years ago, and uh, here we are, uh, uh, do ready to take it on again. Um, that that's going to uh, that's going to be a big part of, of what's going on. Um, you know, obviously COVID's going to, it, uh-huh. it's going to take up, take up some time, um, during the session. Um, but y'all know as well as I do about the first 30 days of the 40 day session or, um, you know, a bunch of meetings, a bunch of talking, and then, mm-hmm. you know, there's a sprint sprint at the end. And, uh, once crossover day comes and, and uh, of, of of running and sprinting those those mm-hmm. last few days. Uh, yeah, I, I give you and your staff all the kudos in the world for being able to keep up with with the dizzying pace of that last ten days is going to happen too. And and with that, I am going to send it back to David. David. Yes. Well, Lawton, I didn't plan on asking a question, but I kind of want to follow up on something Tim alluded to, and that was, you know, David Ralston's bill. But I want to look at it more from just the average Republican voter. How do you think just the average Republican voter that maybe doesn't like the result of the presidential election um, – and maybe even on some level thinks that something went on with the million voting machines. How do they view um, having their democracy limited? Like you no longer as a voter can pick the secretary of state. It's going to be picked by the legislator. How do you think just those folks feel? Well, I can, I can tell you, um, you know, here, here locally, we, we used to vote on our school superintendent and then somewhere along the line, you know, that was taken away from us and the, and the local school board selects that. Um, and I can tell you, uh, ever since that has happened, anytime talk has come up about uh, removing an elected official and making an appointed position has met a lot of resistance. Uh, and mm. I, I really see that, that happening. Um, again, I, I do not see either chamber in the in the state's uh general assembly of of getting the two-thirds votes of of getting us out and and making a constitutional amendment but i i really think that that the common person uh does not want that vote taken away from them yeah that's what i would think in it at some point it seems like these overreactions are going to be overreaches and cause a political party to have some backlash. And you can get that either way. I mean, I think there was some talk in 2002 when, uh, you know, Governor Barnes and the Democratic uh, legislature drew lines that were, you know, interesting looking, let's just say, um, that simple said, oh, well, there's a backlash to that. They didn't keep communities of interest together. This seems like it would be the same kind of thing, and maybe even more so because it would actually be limiting people's democracy um well Lawton, i want to thank you for coming on the show before you go i know we've been talking about the blog you talked about where y'all are on social media at times to synergize it just tell our listeners the best way to to visit the site and then anything else you'd like to 
Uh, absolutely. Um, uh, best place to go is just the Georgia poll, and that's uh, Georgia spelled out, and then P-O-L for first three letters of politics, uh, .com. And from there, they can get to our Twitter feed and to our Facebook page. And um, But we encourage them. It's a simple site to, to sign up for, and, and they can jump on at any time and, and get involved in the discussions and, and, uh, and just keep up, especially beginning January 8th of, of what's going on at, at the state level, um, because this, again, is going to be been an important year for, for Georgia. And it's probably going to be the first time in a long time where we're probably going to have a national attention in, into, into state politics, uh, especially if, if Trump uh, continues to be a, a presence here uh, going forward. Um, so it's, it's, on the political side, it's, uh, it's going to be a, a fascinating year. We're going to see things we've never seen before. Um, as a as a citizen, there's there's some concern there that we're going to see things we've we've never seen before, and uh, <laughs> I just I just I hope uh, things get done. Um, and I don't typically like to to give out advice to the other side, but uh, this would probably be one year um, I would encourage the Democratic Party just to kind of sit back and 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 watch what the Republicans do and and, and stay away from from all the mess that, that it looks like may be happening this upcoming session. Yes. Well, unless somebody wants to cut TRS and then I have a vested interest, anybody wants to fight uh, that they can fight all they want. Well, Lon, once again, thank you for coming on the show and hope to have you come back at some point in the future. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Thank y'all. Thank all you. Right. Thank you. Sir. Lawton Sack, a new proprietor of Georgia Poll, and, of course, with the legislative session coming on, usually at some point we have a little bit of a legislative show, although we have a little more of a national focus than we used to way back when. Um, well, we were talking about some national stuff. We've talked a lot about Texas, and something I've wanted to get to um, for a few weeks now, we just hadn't been able to, but given that you know we're talking about Texas kind of, you know, maybe having some overreaches with Kim Paxton. Um, a few weeks ago, it was mentioned about actor Matthew McConaughey, you know, UT graduate, uh, Texas citizen. I believe he still lives in Austin at least part of the time. He's actually been on some things like Bill Maher, talking about politics, trying to kind of take maybe more of a middle road, not so much in policy, but just saying people should communicate with each other. Um, Catherine, what are your thoughts on in a state like Texas where Democrats are getting closer but have not closed the deal in any statewide races, um, including this year's presidential race, do you think a celebrity candidate like Matthew McConaughey, I'm assuming runs as a Democrat, that's what they're rumoring, uh, would make a difference? Um, I'm not so sure he would run as a Democrat. I thought I heard him say that he would be an independent, but I could have had that wrong. But but yeah. whatever. Um, I don't know. <clears throat> I, I'm just not sure that people would take Matthew McConaughey seriously as a candidate. Um, and if he... I don't know. I 
I have a I don't have a good sense of um how Texas would respond to that. Um so I, I'm not really sure. I so I I I do just my natural thought is that the guy from you know, whatever movie that was Dazed and confused. Was that his? Him? He's been in a lot of them. Yeah, that was one of the early ones. Well, but yeah, but he, that was he's his early one. And yeah, but but he's but that's sort of his. You know. Well, anyway, uh, I just I'm not sure that people would take him seriously. That's my only uh, thing. Yeah, and I do think if he runs as an independent, uh, that would siphon off more Democratic votes. And therefore, that would just be an election of another Republican. So, I mean, if that, you know, and he may still want to do that, which, but, but that's why I think running as a Democrat it seems to be the more viable method. Uh, Tim, what's your take on Matthew McConaughey as a possible gubernatorial candidate in Texas? Well, he didn't say he would run. He didn't say that he would rule it out either. Now, I believe he lives in Travis County. That's a deep blue county, but he really has never jumped out there and made his politics known. It is rumored that that starting in 2012, he's only like cast a couple of votes. He's only voted a couple of times. Um, So I'm not sure how serious he would be about it. Uh, He doesn't give away very much what his politics are. Um, Like with guns, he's pretty down the middle. You know, he believes in strongly in gun ownership, but he's not, he's not real high up on assault rifles or unlimited magazines or, or or things like that. Um, We've never heard him say what he believes about things like the Green New Deal. Um, Now, one thing he's really passionate about, I know this, is uh, pot legalization. He is all on board with that, which is not unusual in a state like Texas, no matter your politics. So I I, I don't know. I I don't know if he would really jump in there and do that because running for for governor of Texas, what an organization, what a lot of money you would need. And uh, he starts with a name. That's what he starts (laughs) with. He starts with a big name, and I know that others have done it. I know we we know who they all are, (laughs) including our celebrity president. But – it would be tough, don't you think, David? Yeah, it would be. And I guess that's, uh, Catherine, your dazed and confused reference uh, fit where Tim went with that. Uh, so y'all were on the, y'all put the movie with the issue there. Um, yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, he kind of gives off different vibes, and sometimes that might be because of which roles he plays. But he does kind of have that maybe a, uh, an airheadedness at sometimes, and sometimes he seems more serious. Um, it, it's hard to tell. Uh, you know, I guess, you know, Democrats have just never closed the deal in Texas. Since 1994, um, Republicans have held all the top posts, and I think since 1998, 
They've held every post in Texas. They hold the, um, you know, both chambers of the House. Democrats made no ground up um, in anything. You know, Texas, some polls looked really, really promising. They didn't flip. You know, Beto O'Rourke came closer than anybody, but in the end, he didn't win. And so I guess, you know, Democrats are, I won't say desperate, but um, there's been a lot of hope and not a lot of finishing. And so um, people are going to want to, you know, see how do you finally get that last, say, 5% needed. And I, I don't know he's the secret, but it's it's intriguing, and you know how we do. If there's some name candidate and they rumor to run, yeah, we're going to discuss them. You know, I mean, Matthew McConaughey deserved no less attention than our friend Kid Rock did for all <laughs> the district offices he wanted to run for. So, um, you know, that's just kind of how – we were looking at it. Well, um, thanks again to Lawton Sack for coming on the show. Next week, we're going to have uh, Drew Savicki coming back on the show, but he's got a new political blog newsletter. I guess it's uh, more or less Infinite Monkeys, and Drew's going to come back on and tell us about that new newsletter, but then also he's been crunching numbers all across the nation, so we're going to ask him about some of those results as well. So until then... It's been the Kudzu Vine. Good night, Good night guys. Good night, everybody. We are the heirs of that first revolution. with a strong and united America. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.